He is the modern day Don Nealon. But Don Nealon's Mountaineers enjoy walking in where angels fear to tread. He's bought into the program. As the hills of West Virginia resound with the sounds of Golden football. It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. I was watching ESPN today and they showed a little thing about uh, our game tonight in the poll. And the whole U.S. was covered in red. And the only state, the greatest state in the nation, was covered in blue. That was West Virginia. And that's why we won this game. Trust the climb. And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans for Mountaineer fans. The Country Road Webcast. Mountaineer Nation, let's ride. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into Season 5, Episode 132 of the CRW Podcast. Our Kansas Preview and Predictions episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, and I got my co-host with me. We've got Bradley. What's up, everyone? And Steven. What's going on, boy? All right, boys. So, Kansas on the horizon for the Mountaineers in the second game of the season. The home opener, which will also serve as the conference opener for the Mountaineers. Neil Brown's first night game since taking over as the West Virginia head coach. Going to be a 6 p.m. kick at Mountaineer Field. Televised on ESPN Plus, 1-0 Kansas versus currently 0-1 West Virginia. And we'll get into that and dive deep as we move throughout this episode. But let's kick it off the way we always like to, boys. A little off-topic babble. What's been going on? You know, what you've been doing? I know it's kind of hard to not think think or talk about football related or now, but, you know, anything off topic other than college football or West Virginia related you've been doing, read, watched, experienced, anything uh, you want to chime in with? uh, What's been going on, Stephen? Not really too much, man. Just catching up on sleep. You know, the whole Pittsburgh trip gave me a lot of jet lag. I didn't get really – I think I slept two hours and 72 hours, so. So really haven't had a lot of chance to do do much other than sleep and just hang around in the house. Did a lot of cleaning up and stuff like that. But other than that, you know, just watching football. Bradley, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I've not been doing much. I've been uh, packing up. I'm doing another move tomorrow officially. Got my own apartment. We'll be getting settled in. So it's the last time you'll be seeing this background. Nice. Uh, nice. You know, hopefully when I got something a little bit more permanent, we'll have a little bit nicer background. I'm going to try to put a little effort into it there. Uh, probably be a little bit, but um definitely you know with the final move for a little while thank god uh no more uh, no more packing um and that watching house of dragons house of dragons has been good oh yeah watch the yeah. third episode um other than that man not not been doing much just been grinding and congrats on the move uh excited to see how that background turns out um <laughs> Haven't watched House of Dragon personally because I, I never watched Game of Thrones. Uh, for me, I just get, I've tried. I tried multiple times. I just I don't know something about like the medieval time period. I've never been able to like really get into much from that that takes place in that time period. I don't know, but I did watch. Um, let's see, what have I watched recently? Night Shift on Netflix. Uh, Jamie Foxx vampire hunter movie, pretty funny. Him and Dave Franco wasn't bad, but even funnier than that, uh, Me Time on Netflix. If you guys haven't seen that. Oh man, that one! I was dying. Heard about so that Mark one actually Wahlberg. earlier at work. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I liked that one. It was pretty good. And then uh, it was last night or night before, I wanted to watch the new Predator movie Prey because I still haven't got a chance to watch that. And I really want to. But uh, my fiance won out, and we watched the new Elvis movie. Uh, and actually, it was better, way better than I expected. It was, it was pretty good. You know, I put it in my top ten uh, movies of the year so far. You know, I'm a big movie buff as well in the spare time. That's why usually in the off-topic babble, I'm babbling about uh, movies or shows usually. But, all right, let's move on to the Mountaineer News segment then. All right, Mountaineer News segment here is where we want to give you some Mountaineer football, Mountaineer basketball, and Mountaineer recruiting news. Provide you some updates, you know, anything that's happened since the last time we recorded a preview episode and Bradley, I'll uh, kick it to you first, I guess. Uh, what's been going on in the world of uh, WVU recruiting? 
Yeah, so Justin Benton, big old number 99 out of uh, Georgia. He's somebody that I've been really high on. He's been getting a lot of love in there. He's been a kid from Georgia, but he had another stellar night, a few tackles for loss, I think five tackles in total, and actually had his second rushing touchdown of the season, which is kind of funny considering his defensive tackle. But you give that big boy the ball, it's kind of hard to stop him. Um, I had brought up Jaheim White last time uh, before the pit game. Jaheim White had another great game. He had uh, – I think 70-some rushing yards, uh, 60-70 rushing yards, and also um, about that many passing yards, uh, rece- receiving yards as well. So another big night for Jaheim. I think he had a touchdown or two. Um, definitely got we're excited about getting in the backfield. That's got some hands on him as well. Um, and then, of course, I'd be remiss to not bring up Rodney Gallagher. Had his first game of the week, uh, first game of the year. Um, it was a loss, but he did have three throwing touchdowns, and uh, I think – about 100 yards passing, and all three of those touchdowns went to one singular guy. Um, definitely somebody we want to check up on in, uh, in our recruiting. But, yeah, Rodney Gallagher had a pretty good first game. A uh, pretty good first game, still playing quarterback, even though he'll be playing wide receiver for us. But um, still look good, still an athlete. And even though it was a loss, he still had a great game. Nice. Sounds great. Yeah, high school season's kicking off for Mountaineer commits, so it's always good to hear how they're doing and appreciate you providing those updates on recruiting and uh, – Brad they always does a great job with that. So, you know, follow him on Twitter. If you're watching on the video side, you see the handle there. If you're on the yep. audio side, it's at Big Bubba Brad, CRW on Twitter. Um, you know, gives some we also did there. We also did break into the top three for four-star wide receiver, Traylon Ray. I think he's out of Florida. Yeah, out of Tallahassee, Florida, four-star, um, six-foot-three, um, real tall wide receiver. So we did break his top three in there with Tennessee, Mississippi State, and then us. So make sure you guys get out there and follow that kid as well. Trailing awesome, Ray, yeah. bring him home to Morgantown and to the Mountaineers, and I'm sure there'll be more uh, recruiting updates as the season progresses. They'll be coming hot and heavy with signing day approaching here. You yeah. know, just a couple short months away or so. So I appreciate that, Bradley, for that recruiting update and the Mountaineer recruiting news. And then we will kick it to you, Stephen, for some Mountaineer basketball news. What's going on in the world of WVU hoops? Uh, well, there's not really too much recruiting news. Uh, I guess one thing to know it is. Um, a few weeks ago, I mentioned a recruit that visited named Ayer Malik, uh, and he finally received um, what what's what's been not a surprising five star uh, rating by Rivals dot com. Um, he also visited last week to the backyard brawl in Pittsburgh, um, so that was pretty cool to to let him see that type of atmosphere and something that he'll be able to play in. Because as I understand it, West Virginia has pit on the schedule for basketball as well uh, in the next next few years. Uh, but other than that, um, of course, we have Bob Huggins being inducted, inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame here in the next few days. Um, but other than that, we're uh, we're in the uh, the calm before the storm, if you will, before the basketball season. Very excited to see uh, Bob Huggins get inducted in the Hall of Fame. Can't wait for that. Like I said, the calm before the storm, but basketball news will be kicking up soon. And, you know, Stephen always provides great updates with that. And he's actually on Twitter now as well, at Pitt Still Sucks. And uh, he's also going to be hosting the CRW Hoop Show that will be kicking off here as the season gets closer to approaching. So be on the lookout for that as well. Just some more content to look at from the Country Roads web- webcast. And that's I'm diving in on the basketball side of things. That being said, until then, appreciate for you for that basketball update, Stephen. And I guess it's my turn and to bring some Mountaineer football news. Um, of course, West Virginia with Kansas on the horizon. We know about that. Um, Injuries occurred against Pitt. We know Charles Woods went down in the first quarter. Jordan White went down a little bit later. No updates currently at the time of this recording. We're hoping to hear an update on both of those guys during Neil Brown's press conference on Tuesday. Um, We're probably going to have a live stream later in the week, Q&A. So um, hopefully we'll know more then. And if anybody wants to chime in and ask questions about it then, uh, we should be able to provide more updates later in the week, uh, closer to game day. But at the time of this recording, what we do know is that it appears neither injury is like a long-term injury, extensive type deal, season-ending deal that we know of um, right now. Seems like they're going to be okay. Don't know if they're going to be available for the Kansas game. Going to assume most likely not, but um, hopefully uh, both will be back soon. Um, I'd say, you know, if it's, 
just something that needs rest. Rest them for this Kansas game. Rest them for Towson. And hopefully we'll have them back for when we play the Hokies on the road in Blacksburg on September 22nd. But we'll see how that goes. Otherwise, C.J. Donaldson was named Big 12 Newcomer of the Week following his performance against Pitt. Seven carries, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Also blocked a punt and did a great job in pass protection as well. So can't say enough about the debut for that true freshman running back. We're going to see him more of him in the future, but the Big 12 recognized it as well and gave him the Newcomer of the newcomer of the Week excuse me, award after week one of the college football season. And speaking of college football, the college football playoff is expanding to 12 teams. It is scheduled to come in 2026, could happen as early as 2024, though they're pushing for that. Under the new format, the six highest-ranked conference champions get automatic bids into the playoff. The four, high, the four highest ranked of those get a first round bye. The other six spots will be filled up by six at large teams. So, new 12 team playoff coming in 2026 and could be as early as 2024. Other than that, in football news around the Big 12 Conference in week two, some pretty good games. Everyone in the conference actually won an O besides the Mountaineers, but the Mountaineers did face the toughest opponent in week one. Nonetheless, some really tough matchups on the horizon for most Big 12 teams this week. And that includes number one, Alabama, traveling to take on Texas. That game will be at noon. Missouri, traveling to Kansas State, also at noon. Number 24, Houston, traveling to Lubbock to play Texas Tech at 4 o'clock. Then also at 4 o'clock, you got the Cyhawk rivalry, Iowa State, going on the road to Iowa, trying to finally knock them off. Then you get Kent State going on the road to Oklahoma at 7 o'clock. Arizona State at Oklahoma State at 7.30. Tarleton at TCU in the lone um, FBS versus FCS game of the week at 8 o'clock. Then you get a big one, not a conference matchup this year, but will be next year. So a nice little preview as number 10 Baylor goes on the road to play number 25 BYU. Late kickoff in that one if you want to stay up late and check that out, 10, 15 p.m. Eastern since they're playing in Utah. And then, of course, the Mountaineers, the team of ham we're going to get into discussing. Kansas comes in, gold rush game. Home opener, conference opener, 6 p.m., going to be televised on ESPN+. Plus. West Virginia currently favored by 13.5 points at the time of this recording. That being said, um, any thoughts on any of the news we shared, whether it be recruiting, basketball, football, anything you guys want to chime in on, any final thoughts on Mountaineer News before we dive deep into the matchups between the Jayhawks and the Mountaineers this week? Horns down. I hope Texas loses to Alabama. I don't care if it's in the Big 12. They're going to the SEC anyway, so horns down. if they lose to Alabama. And Houston can go down too. Steven, anything? I'm excited to uh, to see some of these matchups uh, because you got you get to see a few uh, future Big 12 matchups, you know, with, uh, with the likes of Houston and BYU. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see those, t- those matchups with, with those – opponents officially now yeah. being you know accepted to join the conference you know that's that's going to be some pretty good atmospheres i would imagine i guess that will do it for the mountaineer news segment of the show let's dive deep onto the kansas jayhawks <laughs> As the show is aptly titled kansas preview and predictions we've made it to that point gentlemen We'll get into the matchups deeper in a second. Just broader picture, opening thoughts on this matchup. What do you got, Stephen? Uh, well, I think it's um, um, I, it's nice to play them in week two. You get a, a conference opponent, and you get one that's uh, you know not to disrespect the team, but you get one that you should win. Uh, you know, I know Kansas is coming off of a really high scoring game, especially for for a Kansas team. Uh, that struggles to score the football a lot. Um, they scored 56 last week against Tennessee Tech. I'm not so bought in that they're they're that great. You know, they they have a few skill players that that are really good, but I just didn't see anything that impressed me in the fact that it's going you know, to tells me that they're going to do that to a West Virginia defense because the Tennessee Tech defense that I seen was arm tackling worse than than what we seen out of West Virginia. Uh, so, and, and it was a horrible, horrible showing. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that West Virginia is going to 
have a nice week to bounce back and recover from last week. And I, I just hope that um, there's no hangover effect, which I don't, I don't believe that there will be. Um, I think it'll be a nice opponent to, to gain your, the wind back in your sails. Bradley, what about you? Yeah, I definitely saw, you know, I think Kansas looks better this year than they've looked, you know, past, you know, a handful of years. Um, they definitely have some things that have me a little bit more nervous than I probably should be. They got a little bit of a mobile quarterback. We've struggled with that in years past. Um, they've got some really good looking running backs that, you know, they did blow through some arm tackles against, you know, granted an FCS team, but, uh, you know, we, we didn't look so great in that area and there's some big boys. And so, you know, that's, that could be a problem for us. And they also had some really good looking, uh, tight ends. Uh, they, that's something I feel like we've also struggled with really good tight end play is just, um, something that's hurt us in the past. So, um, do I think that we'll lose to them? No, but I think that we, uh, have potential to lose to Pitt the second time we saw it happen in Neil Brown last year after the Oklahoma game. And it's something you really can't afford to let happen again because I think that this Kansas team is just scrappy enough to make the game ugly. And if it gets ugly, then, you know, they're going to have a chance at it. So uh, I think that it's real, real going to be a real testament to Neil Brown to come out there and make sure his guys are ready and functioning on all cylinders and, you know, to get up on them quick and, you know, to really run the score up early and not even have to worry about it. I noticed that too. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Their quarterback had a really good arm. I noticed that he had wheels on. Yeah, him too. he was mobile too. He could move around, but you know, it's yeah. something that can help counteract our really good defensive pressure. Yeah, which West Virginia has struggled with running quarterbacks in recent years. Mm-hmm. True, true. Yeah, he uh, he came on late. Uh, Daniels, right? So it's going to be uh, Daniels versus mm-hmm. Daniels quarterback matchup. But yeah, he yeah. came on late last season. Really looked good. Looks like he's improved. And I think, um, like you guys said, this is an improved Kansas team. Probably one of the better Kansas teams West Virginia will face since they joined the conference. But, you know, that doesn't take much to do. But I really do like what Lance Leipold's doing there and is uh, is building there, it seems. So they've got some good players at the skill positions, I think. But I think, um, as you guys said, this is good. Uh, not necessarily like that the game itself is going to be a huge test, I don't think. But it's a good test and a barometer for us as fans to see what type of team West Virginia is going to have this season. Because I think if this team is the type of team that we believe that it can be, you know, an eight to nine win football team, then they're going to come out and they're going to be hungry in this game and they're going to play pissed off after what happened in week one. And they're going to handle business in this game and cover the spread. And, you know, because, you know, like uh, Brandon Phoenix over at the RVK always likes to say, shout out to the raspy voice kids, but good teams win, great teams cover. West Virginia is favored by 13 and a half. If they're a great team, I feel like they should be. They come in and cover in this game because this is potential for a hangover and potential for, um, you know, a down a down spot. I know I've heard people say they're comparing this to 1989 when Pitt came back and beat West Virginia with a comeback win in a game West Virginia should have won. Then West Virginia played Virginia Tech the next week, a team that was really down in West Virginia should have killed, and they played their worst game of the season and lost. And you don't want to have that type of situation. You know, rivalry game takes a lot out of you. I think having a couple extra days with the game being on Thursday is a good thing, so the team should have time to recover. But if this is a great team, I don't think that matters. They need to come in hungry and show Kansas that they can't play with you because Kansas is licking their chops. You know, they're being told that they're the best team at Kansas in quite some time. They know there's some teams in this conference they can beat. They probably feel like West Virginia is one of them. And especially now, you know, that we're coming off a rivalry game and probably overlooking them slightly or could be anyway, um, they're going to be ready. So this is a great team. They're going to show us uh, this week. Yeah, um, and I think that there's um, two things that we need to take into account before we get really delved into this thing. And I'll let you go in a second, but I didn't mean to You're cut good. you off. But there's two really important factors that I take into account is one, season openers in Morgantown. I know we played our, our technical season opener in – in Pittsburgh last Thursday, but our home opener, our home season opener, that's this Saturday, you know, and it's the first night game in four years. That's mind blowing to me in four years. There hasn't been a game, a night game at WVU. And so you, I think people forget maybe to a point how powerful that atmosphere can get in a night game, no matter who the opponent is. Cause I I can remember playing Georgia Southern at night (laughs) And oh yeah, I remember that the place game. was pretty. I was there. Place was pretty electric that night too. So, so I think we need to take that into account before we get too 
you know, we dive too deep. <laughs> Go ahead, Brad. That's true. Night games yeah. in the special place. Yeah, and I was just going to, like, compound on what Jordan had said with uh, having Kansas up next and the benefit. It feels a lot different than last year where you come out and you really stink against Maryland, and then you've got a game against Long Island University. Where After that game, I, I didn't know if we were any better as a team. I, I still didn't know what we had. And then we're going to walk into Virginia Tech not knowing what we – you know, Virginia Tech's coming to Morgantown, I guess, in that sense. But, you know, still not knowing what our team was going to – really what our identity was. And so, you know, I definitely like the fact that we have Kansas, which is, you know, not a great Big 12 team, but they are a Power 5 team. And it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a challenge. And we'll definitely, like Jordan said, if they're going to be great, they're going to show it on Saturday. Yeah. Let's think about it. Compare those two games, since you mentioned that. Compare the first game against Maryland, who what you said was a horrible showing out of our team last year. And to a point, I would agree. I, I, I don't think that, you know, especially from what we heard all of the offseason from every coach, um, I don't think that they played anything up to that standard. And I think anybody on the coaching staff and anybody on the on the team would agree with that. Um, but compare those those two games. Compare the pit game this year to the Maryland game last year. The, the atmospheres alone are two different things. But the product on the field that I've seen, I, I feel like, if anything, the coaches downplayed what they had uh, in terms of talent. And then and I know we made some mistakes. I know that there were some mistakes. Um, but – in its entirety, I think that the multitude of all the mistakes that we made are things that we can clean up. You know, I've seen things a lot before that I'm like, I don't know if we can get that going this season. You know, there's not going to be enough time to fix that issue. You know, these are just mental errors and yes, and just getting your hands on the ball, you know, in certain situations, you know, decision-making in certain situations from some, from certain guys, not to name anyone, but – you know, Bradley, I think you know what I'm talking about here. I didn't drop any balls. <clears throat> no, I'm talking about the, the decision the decision making. Oh. The decision gotcha. making. I'm not, I'm not mentioning any names, but gotcha, yeah. I'm not throwing nobody under the bus, but yeah, for sure. Uh, you're definitely you know, right are, there where we looked way better this year than we did against Maryland. And I mean I think that's far better. a lot. And you're talking about like what JT Daniel said in his post game. You know, it's execution right now. We've got the dog in us, we've got the fight, we've got the talent, we've got everything else. We've just got to clean up our execution. And that's where like I think that's evident this year where it's just those small things that you've got to fix. But still, if our offensive line jumps off sides four more times, I might have like an absolute stroke. Which is true, but you have to and I and I say the same thing. I hate it. It drives me crazy. But if you have all of that, I mean, think about that atmosphere and you're all that adrenaline running through you. I mean, it's one thing to like to say that you're, you know, you're not going to jump, but there's all I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, so yeah, there's just a lot of other Power Five teams in this country that don't do it as much as we do. It feels like. Yeah, that's true, but but yeah, we also don't watch their games as intently as we watch West Virginia games too. That's true. I can't good even point. argue that. Yeah, good point. Good point. But that I agree with you, what you guys are saying, though. Like the gist of it to me is there's nothing that we saw in Week One, which is the first time we can say this in four years, probably at least that there's nothing that you saw in week one that isn't something you can fix going forward, you know, because it's mental mistakes that kill West Virginia. You know, like you said, the false starts, it's poor tackling on defense more than anything. That's stuff you can fix. And so, you know, you've got athletes, you've got guys that can make plays, you've got a great quarterback, you've got what looks to be a great run game, you've got great receiver in Bryce Ford Wheaton, and at the de- and defense, it seems like you've got, you know, a good player at each level. Dante Steele's and, the you know, the rest of the line's good too, but Dante Steele's a star player on the first level. Lee Koba, a star player on the second level. And then Charles Woods, a star player in the secondary. So you have the recipe moving forward. And I think the good thing for the Mountaineers is everything is still in front of you that you want. You know, this team didn't have national championship aspirations, so – their aspirations are, you know, to compete for a Big 12 title. That's all still in front of you. I know the loss hurts. I know it's a big rivalry. But all that's still in front of the Mountaineers moving forward. And it starts right here with Kansas because this is a conference game. You can't let that loss to Pitt get to you. This is very important because this is your first conference game and it can set the tone for the rest of your season when it comes to conference play, which is your ultimate goal is to compete there and do better than any other West Virginia team has since we've joined this conference. And actually we want to see the Mountaineers play in the big 12 title game and that's still attainable. So just got to come out here against Kansas and 
don't overlook these guys. Yeah, I think that um, it's really important. I think that West Virginia obviously has an opportunity to be, like you said, the best team that they've been since joining the Big 12 Conference, and that, that Big 12 Conference title game is att attainable. Um, I think that if West Virginia comes out this week and they don't downplay to their opponent, um, like we know that we have the ability tendency to do in the to past, do. <laughs> the tendency, that's a better word. Thank you, Bradley. Um, I think if we don't do that and we play with the same – product that we did last week and we clean up a few of those things i mean fellas i i would think just by that west virginia's a top 10 football team maybe top 15 maybe top 10 is a little too far of a stretch but top 15 for sure well um, if it's 17th i mean you know absolutely you know i, I think that um yeah I, I didn't i really do believe this when you play with with that kind of firepower on all three phases of the game you know you get a, a block punt and then you have to think about it you had good team good plays in the special teams you had great plays on the defense and you had great plays on the offensive side of the ball and i know like i said that there's mistakes but we have potential on all three sides of the ball and that's the first time that i've been able to confidently say that and i don't know how long great point. absolutely and i hate to beat that repetitively but i mean it's so right. exciting you, you know what i mean it's so it's so exciting sure. to be able to, to well, say as, that as much criticism as our team has you know had to endure going through this rebuild and that the coaching staff has had to endure as well in turn along with that they deserve to be praised for the improvements they have made because it's finally i think this is the first time because every offseason we've gotten really excited for the team and we've known that oh maybe this guy's going to do this we've had hope and stuff but you know, the results more or less have been the same and the team has more or less looked the same. And I think that's one of the reasons that we were really frustrated coming out of the Maryland game last year. And I think fast forward, here we are a year later after the first game, and it's a completely different feeling for me because, like you said, the things we've seen from this team, we haven't seen from West Virginia team in three or four years. And so it's, it's okay to commend them for that because – yeah, like you said, the defense, they did a great job of building that since they got here. That hasn't been a problem. Offense has been a problem, and special teams has been a mixed bag. They focused on special teams and off offense this offseason, and specifically, you know, Neil Brown said we want to be able to run the football against teams that have good run defenses because last year we ran the ball against teams they should be able to, but against teams with good run defenses and the top defenses in the league, they struggled. They come out against the ACC's number one rush defense last year, run for 200 yards on them, so they've improved that. The offense, adding JT Daniels and Graham Harrell, it's evident that they've improved that. And then, like you said, the special teams, West Virginia Bay, they improved that as well. So, yes, let's commend them for that and hope that moving forward, now that we have what we believe can be a complete team in all three phases of the game, the wins are going to follow that as well. Yeah. And doesn't it feel like – I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I I feel like we've played a whole season already. I don't know why it feels like <laughs> – I mean, I feel it's like just that – yeah, I feel like JT Daniels has been the quarterback for two years or something like that at WVU. I don't know why it feels like that, but he's played he's played one game in the uniform, and I'm like – Oh, I was about to say, and to think you're just now about to watch him play at Mountaineer Field for the first time. Right, I haven't even seen that yet, and I already feel yeah. like he's been playing it. For, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I think that's just a testament to how truly, I don't know, right this team feels. It feels like it has the right chemistry and the right vibe to mm -hmm. it and uh, I, there's something that feels right about this this football team I, I truly still stand by that this is going to be a fun season absolutely definitely definitely I agree so that's kind of a broader picture opening thoughts about Kansas let's dive in a little bit more on the matchups gentlemen we've touched on the Kansas skill players briefly specifically their quarterback Jalen Daniels and he was 15 of 18 were for 189 yards, a touchdown interception in that first game against Tennessee Tech that they won handily. That's the guy that's going to be willing and dealing. They have three good running backs, Daniel Hishaw, Devin Neal, and Kai Thomas, who West Virginia has seen before. He played for Minnesota in the bowl game uh, when the Mountaineers uh, played them last season and struggled, and he ran for, I believe, 140 yards on the Mountaineers in that game on about 21 carries. So, and he's, I believe, their third back right now at Kansas. So, that tells you Kansas does have some uh, talented skill players, especially in the backfield. The run game looked good. And this looks like, you know, as close to an explosive offense as you've seen from Kansas since the Mountaineers joined the conference. 
That being said, the Mountaineers' defense, specifically the defensive line, looked really strong. And if you're a team that's going to compete in this conference, going up against Kansas, a team that's predicted to be near the bottom, you should be able to win this game in the trenches, and that should probably be the difference. And that's the matchup I think is going to help West Virginia is this West Virginia D-line going against that Kansas offensive line. Hopefully they're going to be able to overwhelm them because Kansas does have some good skill players. Like I said, the three running backs, Jalen Daniels at quarterback, Lawrence Arnold at receiver, and then, of course, can't forget Jared Casey at tight end who does some great things for them leading the run game and then, of course, can sneak out on pass plays. But what are your all-stalls on the Mountaineer offense going up against – I mean, Mountaineer defense, excuse me, going up against this Kansas Jayhawk offense uh, this Saturday? What are you thinking, Stephen? Um, I think that with the way that – um I think Jalen Daniels, I believe is his name. I think that the way that he threw the ball last week, um, I wouldn't be shocked if if the Jayhawks tried to go deep a few times uh, and exploit this secondary for WVU, with, especially with the way WVU gave a few, you know, a few plays up in the secondary last week. Uh, so, I would imagine that with their running backs, they're gonna they're gonna, you know, they're gonna run their game up front. They're gonna try to pound the rock, but West Virginia, obviously. Very good at uh, at run defense, so uh, but I think that that's something that we should w- watch out for absolutely on the back end is for them trying to go deep because he he has a really a really pretty deep ball. Daniels does, and they and they do have some playmakers, especially mm-hmm. on the on the outside. So that's one thing we can't fail to mention either. Um, Charles Woods, like we said, uncertain on his status for this game. We're not really expecting him to play. We'll know more on that later in the week, you know, following Neil Brown's press conference. Haven't heard from him yet at the time of this recording. But West Virginia is going to be down Wesley McCormick for the first half of this game as well, which is who replaced Charles Woods. So you're probably looking at either Rashad Ajayi and Andrew Wilson-Lamp or Rashad Ajayi and Mumu Ben-Wahad at corner in this game for at least the first half. So, yeah, definitely looking out for Kansas' passing game and Jalen Daniels, maybe hooking up with Arnold or or Jared Casey. You know, going to have to watch for that for sure as well. Good point there. Bradley, what about you? What do you think the Mountaineer defense, how are they going to stack up here against this Jayhawk offense? And is it something they need to be worried about? Yeah, I want to touch on kind of like what you would uh, – one of the things you said there at the end with Mumu Ben-Wahad. Um, if you guys watch the post game of the pit, uh, our pit post game, I talked about wanting to see Jacoby Spells, and I'm just as happy with seeing Mumu. I want to see a young guy out there that's really, you know – I know Weston McCormick and um, Ajaya has had a lot of hype around them, but I just really like that recruiting class. I like those two guys specifically, and, you know, I'm really excited to see them get out there. So I really hope Mumu gets a good bit of playing time and uh, uh, quite a few snaps in this Kansas game to really see what he got um, against some Division One players. But going to the defense and how we're going to match up with this offense, I think that this is – this is going to be the most important part of the game is our defense versus their offense. You know, Kansas was able to, you know, score pretty heavily. Um, and our defense, if they're going to be, if we're going to beat Kansas, we're going to have to play really, really sound defense. Um, our linebackers had a tendency to kind of bite on every single run fake that Pitt had going back through and looking at it. Uh, we had a real bad tendency to just like to dive down there on the run. And that's something we can't do uh, if our DBs are just not looking as great. So, you know, our linebackers have really got to trust our defensive linemen to kind of block up some holes, let Dante Stills be Dante Stills, let Jordan Jefferson really clog up those holes and, you know, play safe, sound football. You know, you get a guy like Jared Bartlett who could absolutely feast on a quarterback that likes to do these, uh, you know, play-action bootleg rollouts. You know, you get that spear coming off the edge right there. You know, you're looking at, broke, you know, crushed rib city and uh, if he doesn't play sound football, then he's he could get beat and then we have no edge guy. So, you know, we need to make sure that we're playing. And that's how you beat this team. If you're a better team, you win through sound, consistent play. And so that's what I'm going to be looking for is making sure that our players are covering their bases, dotting their I's, crossing their T's. You know, they don't have to be perfect, but they have to be uh, They have to be good. You know, they have to be consistently where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. Right. And I think that's what you want to see from the Mountaineer defense in this game. You know, the defensive line did great. The run defense was solid. What you want to see is improvement in the secondary. Like I said, that's you know going to be possibly breaking in even more new pieces. But the one silver lining, if there is a silver lining from the targeting and losing McCormick and the Charles Wood injury, is you're getting some experience for guys that you know haven't had any. So that's going to be good, and you're hopefully going to be able to do that against Kansas and Towson in games that you should win. So that may help down the road for the Mountaineers on a 
secondary that's, you know, was the one question mark and appears to be kind of the weak spot as well as tackling. I want to see tackling improve. That's the main thing I'm looking at from the Mountaineer defense this week after how bad that was in week one and especially in the open field. Want to improve tackling. But that being said, gentlemen, any final thoughts on the Mountaineer defense versus the Kansas offense before we flip it over and look at the other side? Yeah, like you said, I want to just say, like, we're building depth, and that's at least a positive. You know, we're building depth, you know, that's not against Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I just want to see improvement from week to week. You know, I don't want to be sitting here after, you know, week two saying, well, hopefully we see it against Towson. You know, I, mm-hmm. I want to see growth. I want to see improvement. You know, if we're really going to be the team that we want to be and we want to compete for a title and we have that kind of talent, then let's do that. And, you know, let's let's really come and, and work towards getting better each week. Well said. So flip it over, other side of the coin now, and let's talk about this Mountaineer offense that I think we were all pretty impressed by in week one. JT Daniels and company, Graham Harrell calling the shots. Didn't really have any issues with the play calling in week one personally, so hopefully you know, that remains a trend throughout the season. I like the way we schemed things up. And I think, you know, going up against Kansas, it's an area where we should have an advantage. And I'm hoping that, you know, if this is the Mountaineer offense, that it's as good as we think it can be. This is a game where West Virginia definitely, you know, scores over 30 points and ideally maybe even more than that. But I think you got to get over 30 in this game. And I think if you get over 30 in this game, it's it's a win for you. So, well, what are your all's thoughts? Mountaineer offense versus the Jayhawk defense. Bradley, let you kick this one off first. Yeah, I think we're going for 500 yards. I think that they're not going to be able to stop us. I think our offense is going to score at will whenever they want to. Um, I think we're, like I said, uh, in the post game of Pitt, I think we're going to see a lot more of our other wide receivers kind of step up in this game. And, you know, I, I don't think that there's going to be any chance that Kansas ever stops our offense from moving. I just don't see it happening, which is why I think, you know, defense playing soundly is, is going to be the key because, you know, if it turns into a shootout, then, you know, that's not really what you want. But if we can keep them stuffed on defense, there's no way they're going to slow down our offense. So. Yeah, I happen to uh, I happen to a hundred percent agree with that. I think that this is our time to really show how prolific our, this offense is, and truly for Graham Harrell to really show, um, you know, some of what not really truly all of what you have because you don't really want to pull out any of you know what you're keeping up your sleeve, you know, towards in this type of opponent. But I think it's really a chance to show you know how good this offense is, and I think that it. Like Brad said, we're going to score at will, and I, I think thirty points is easily obtainable. Um, uh, I'm I'm going to go north of that to give you a little sneak peek of what my I would say close to that in the first half. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't okay. I would not be surprised. What I do think, uh, <clears throat> I don't think that we see Oliver Straw all day long. I don't think West Virginia will punt the football. Maybe too late in the second half. <laughs> maybe late in the second half, whenever uh, whenever second string comes in, we maybe see Garrett Green and Goose. Okay, so you guys are you guys are super optimistic on this one. I mean, I am too. I'm just caught, you know, I'm trying to temper my expectations just because, you know, I'm still not 100% not worried that, you know, there might be a little bit of hangover after, you know, such an intense rivalry game. Like you said, Stephen, we feel like it's been a whole season already and we were just there watching the game. And, you know, for us, it feels that long. You know, it had to take a toll on the players as well. So, but I, you know, I definitely think West Virginia has a distinct advantage in this one, their offense should be able to overpower this, you know, Kansas defense looking into, you know, some of their numbers from week one, like I said, they dominated that Tennessee tech team, but none of their defenders grades were truly super duper high, really uh, safe for their uh, edge, you know, defensive end Lonnie Phelps had a 91.2 defensive grade, 85.3 pass rush grade. Other than that, I mean, even their coverage grades were in the high sixties at most in a matchup they won handily. So West Virginia should have some matchups, I think with their receivers and hopefully some other receivers step up because I feel like Kansas is probably going to be keen on Bryce Ford Wheaton pretty heavy. You know, he was targeted 15 or 16 times. And if you look into West Virginia's PFF numbers, specifically JT Daniels and dive in, you know, passing directions and things like that, that shows right away because JT Daniels passing grades, deep throws, which on PFF is throws further than 20 yards, throws to the deep right for JT Daniels, 64.2 pass grade, throws to the deep center, for JT Daniels, 45.1 pass grade, but throws to the deep left from for JT Daniels, 83.9 pass grade. West Virginia's receivers 
left or side receiver, Bryce Ford Wheaton. So any, you know, deep ball West Virginia hit on was Bryce Ford Wheaton. Obviously, you can tell when looking at those stats from week one. And obviously, if I can find that, I'm sure Kansas has found that as well and knows that. So who knows? They may roll coverage over to Bryce Ford Wheaton. So this could be a big game for the guys in the middle if they're giving safety help over to Ford Wheaton. We could see Reese Smith, Sam James have their breakout game this game. Potentially, that's kind of my thoughts. But, uh, you know, that's pass game, run game. What are you guys thinking? Are we going to see more C.J. Donaldson, or do you expect maybe Kansas keying on and we try and throw even more Tony Mathis than what we saw and he breaks out? Do you think Donaldson uh, factors in heavily in the Mountaineers' plans, and what do you think about the Mountaineers' run game, though, Steven? Um, I think you absolutely see more of C.J. Donaldson, but, I'd all, but I also do think that they, they – uh, there's going to be more of a scheme against him. Uh, so if he does what he does, you know, did does what he did last week, has a similar game. Um, I think you're looking at, you know, a potential. You're already looking at a potential star in, in CJ Donaldson, but you know, this kid might be really, truly something really special, and it's like Steve Slayton special in his in his freshman season here at WVU. Um, but um, yeah, I think that uh, Reese Smith. I think he has potential. I've been really getting on that train here lately. I, I really like that guy and I like the way that he, that he plays. Um, yeah, I think that he has real potential not to say anything bad about Sam James, because I'm waiting for my guy Sam to go off at any point, but you know, I am too, but Reese is, um, Reese has really been impressing me lately. Uh, the way that he plays. I think that man, it's just heartbreaking the way that the game ended the other night, because it was just so mm-hmm. close to, to being, Mm-hmm. the other way around for that kid, and he deserves it. I think that he's going to have a really good season here. Well, and uh, I think that the reason why I've been so high on him is because you hear Neil Brown talk about him over the all season, and he's saying, you know, Reese came up to him, and they had a talk. I mean, they had a real heart-to-heart conversation about his future in this program, and I think that it was really on the verge of, you know, he was wanting more snaps, more more targets, and Neil Brown told him, like, if you want them, you're going to have to earn them. And Neil Brown said that Reese went out there every single day and put his nose to the grindstone, and he's earned them. And I think that it shows every single day because I think that he's just the most consistent, at least he's probably the best route running wide receiver we have. He might not be the most athletic, but that guy can run a route and he's got good hands. And so I think that he's just, you know, one of the most consistent wide receiver options that we've got. And I think that's that's why I've been so high on him. It's just because a combination of those things, he's got a bright future in Morgantown ahead of him. Yeah, absolutely. Very much so. Hopefully we see the start of that uh, this week. And, you know, he has a, his first, you know, really, truly big game as a Mountaineer. You know, we've seen him make big plays, but I'd love to see him have a true breakout performance. But we'll see what happens. But that being said, any further thoughts uh, before we move on to our keys to victory and predictions as far as uh, the Mountaineer offense versus the Kansas defense? Uh, I didn't get to talk about the running backs, so I'll talk about the running backs. Yeah, dive in. I think we're going to have two running backs. I think we're going to see Tony Mathis and C.J. Donaldson. Right, and you're never going to know where the ball is going to go. Not all the time, but I think we're definitely going to see it more. You know, just having the threat on the field, just having C.J. Donaldson on the field is going to be enough of a, of a threat to open somebody up. And I think that putting Tony Mathis on the other side of him and being able to throw to either one of them as well is just too dangerous not to see more of. I agree with that 100%. And I think the thing is that's going to be tough to keep C.J. Donaldson off the field is in pass protection as well. He can really help you a lot because you got to think, you know, that guy's a tight end. His pass blocking grade, I think, was second or third highest on the team in week one. And that's a guy that if you're passing, you know, he can give you pass protection. And I think that's another reason why he caught Pitt off guard. They may have thought he was coming in there for that reason. And then here he comes coming straight at you. So he's just a guy that can hurt you in a multitude of ways. And I think getting him on the field and getting him involved in the game plan, whether it be as a decoy or factoring in and feeding him when he's hot, um, definitely can help the Mountaineers in this game. And I hope to see the run game continue to have the success it did in week one, because if it does, then they're going to have to stack the box. And then that's when JT Daniels is going to pick you apart. So the Mountaineers could have a truly lethal offense if it gets to that point where the run game is working as well. So hopefully that continues for the Mountaineers. Um, that being said, you guys ready to get into a uh, key to victory and predictions for this one? Let's get <laughs> All right, so we're getting ready to head into our keys to victory and our score predictions for this game against Kansas. But before we do that, quick reminder, as always, 
Hit the like button if you haven't already. Give us the thumbs up. That'll help this video's performance and help future videos' performances if you're watching on YouTube. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountaineer football content out to Mountaineer Nation. Do us both those favors if you haven't already, and that's whether you're watching on our YouTube channel or if you're watching on the West Virginia Sports Now YouTube channel, as we are a part of the West Virginia Sports Now podcast network. And Really appreciate you guys tuning in, no matter what channel it is. But please subscribe to both of those if you haven't already. And uh, appreciate you guys tuning in to Season 5, Episode 132 of the CRW Podcast. Our Kansas preview and predictions. And as the namesake states, we will get into the prediction side now. Key to victory and prediction, gentlemen. Steven, we'll go to you first this week. What do you think happens for the Mountaineers? Home opener, conference opener. Gold Rush, first game at Mountaineer Field for JT Daniels and Graham Harrell, as well as a lot of other new pieces for the Mountaineers. Do they start off conference play 1-0, and what's the key to doing so? What do you think, Stephen? You know, when you put it like that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's way too many factors going into this game. You know, it's a night game in Morgantown, first in four years, uh, first in Neil Brown's era at WVU, if you can imagine that. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that this is going to be a prolific night for, for all three phases. Once again, I think that um, my key to victory is composure. I think that, you know, you guys have touched on it a few times during this, this show, but I think if you don't come out and you have a, you know, you don't have a hangover from last week and you can come out and have, you know, quote unquote, a statement game and, and show and put the big 12 on notice on what, you know, you can do as a, a team. I think that's what we see this weekend. Might be a little bit too optimistic, but um, I'm going 40. I'm going, uh, sorry, I'm going 52-10. Um, I'm going 52-10. Wow. I think that we're really going to come wow. out and, and show. I know it's Kansas. I know it's not anybody to to get truly excited about, but I think West Virginia is going to really come out and, and show what they've got on, on both sides of the ball. I don't think you're going to really see too much out of uh, the special teams this weekend. I love it. So might be a little bit too optimistic, but I think I think yeah. you might. You boys are going to see some stuff this weekend. I hope so. I hope we're in for a treat like that. I'd love to see something <clears throat> super entertaining. And you know, like you said, first No, no Brown's first night game that'd be awesome. So Stephen definitely got us covering the spread by a long shot. Bradley, what about you? Your key to victory score prediction. Yeah, yeesh. I mean, if you want to shut up the fan base, I know it's Kansas, but beating anybody 52 to 10 is a way to shut some people up. Um, yeah, no, I <laughs> I think that my key to the game is going to be, and I brought it up, I think it's going to be defensive consistency, playing sound football on the defense. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be able to stop our offense. So as long as our defense can be, be in the right spot, then I think that we have no reason to worry. Um, unless, unless, like Steven said, we lose to Pitt again, which I just don't see happening under Neil Brown a second time. Um, yeah, so I just think defense consistency, staying home, playing safe and sound football, and I think that we're really going to capitalize on it if we do. We're just going to do a lot of turnovers, and uh, we're going to play some really great football. Um, I do think our defense takes their licks. I, I don't think we're going to have a 10-point game, like Steven says, but I'm going to go 48-20. to 20. I think that that's yeah. a pretty pretty solid score. Right there. I do think, like I said, I think we're going to score at will – and I do think that, you know, later on, um, I think I think Kansas is going to get a couple rushing touchdowns on us. They're going to get a couple sneaky touchdowns on us. I just feel like they're going to have two big plays on us where they just get ones where they shouldn't, bad tackling, biting on a run or something, and they just get one over top. And then after that, we really tighten up and, you know, allow a couple field goals in the rest of the game. Okay, I like it. And to think I was sitting here having a debate with myself earlier trying to come up with my prediction if, if I was going to have us cover the 13.5-point spread or not. But lo and behold, you guys got it. For sure. got a 28-point victory and a 42-point victory here. So, um, I don't know. I guess – I mean, I'm optimistic as well. I, I will say I do have us covering the spread too, but not quite as wide of a margin. But at least we all three are in agreement there. So, I think we all three do believe this can be a great team. As we said, great teams do cover, so hopefully the Mountaineers can cover. For me, my key to victory, I think, is a fast start. You know, we touched on it briefly earlier. You know, can't have a hangover, you know, from the pit loss. Can't let it defeat you in this one. Need to get your head on straight, come out, 
you know, Kansas is going to think they can play with you. You need to show them that they can't play with you. A fast start for the Mountaineers, I think. Jump on them early. Then you're able to open up the playbook, you know, do whatever you want. And I think your defense will play better. Everything will play better. Everything will work more smoothly if you can come out with a quick start because the recipe for an upset is simple. They think they can play with you. They come out, they stick with you for a quarter or two. They build confidence, and then they do play with you for a whole game. So come out, jump on them. Let's get a fast start. And I think that's a major key for the Mountaineers to open the conference play with a victory and, you know, start their home season with a win as well. And I think they'll be able to do it, but I think it's a little bit closer than you guys do. Um, I don't know. I got a lot of respect for this Kansas version of Kansas, I guess. But uh, this will be the game where we find out just how improved they are, as well as just how good our Mountaineers can be. But like I said, I think they can be pretty good. I've got them covering. I've got them scoring 38 points, holding Kansas to 21. 38-21 for me, 17-point win. So at least I got us uh, winning this week. You know, At least I'm in agreement with you guys on like week one. Yeah. 52-10 easy. Yeah. Easy. All right. Good I did go Hopefully uh, starting Big 12 play with a win and uh, the home season with a win. But uh, we'll see how that goes. But enough with the serious stuff, gentlemen. A few minutes left. Y'all know what time it is. Let's play a couple rounds of Mountaineer multiple choice and then get up out of here. All right, so Mountaineer Multiple Choice, if you haven't ever joined us for our game show, we like to close out our preview episodes with and a lot of our podcast episodes with that we get to do our traditional segments in. We wrap it up with Mountaineer Multiple Choice, our favorite game show. I've got the Mountaineer Multiple Choice trivia in here filled with trivia questions. Pick them at random. Multiple choice questions, of course, hence the name. Person gets the chance to answer. Correct answers worth three points if they get it wrong. The other player has a chance to steal, and that is worth five points. We'll play a couple rounds here and see how it goes. Bradley, you were our winner last time, so you get to choose. Do you want to go first, or do you want Steven to take the first question? I think I went first last time, so I'm going to let Steven struggle off the bat. Go ahead, Steven. All right. Let's see what we got. The WVU football record for most interceptions in a single season is 10. Who owns this record? Is it A, Steve Newberry? B, Russell Douglas, C, Pac-Man Jones, or D, Aaron Beasley? Ooh. Oh, man. It was either – I was so confident in, it, in Aaron Beasley or Pac. Uh, but then you threw Steve Newberry in there. Gosh, man, I'm going to go off my gut feeling and say Steve. Steve Newberry is incorrect actually so Bradley with a chance to steal to open the game the WV record for most interceptions in a single season 10 interceptions who owns the record your three options B. Russell Douglas C. Pac-Man Jones or D. Aaron Beasley I'm going to go with Aaron Beasley D. Aaron Beasley is correct with the steal for 5 points yeah, that's what I originally like. As soon as you asked the question, I was like, it's Aaron Beasley. And then you threw Steve Newberry in there. I was like, well, I'd say Steve Newberry confused you because Steve Newberry, I think, is the career leader, like total over a career. So throwing him in. I was talking about him just the other day. That's what it was. And all right, oh, man. Good question. Good Bradley, question. to take a commanding lead here. <laughs> in terms of most total yards in a game at WVU. I have all five of the top five total yardage games in school history. Who am I? Is it A, Pat White, B, Tavon Austin, C, Geno Smith, or D, Will Greer? All right, we, we say the question again. The total yards, is that like complete total yards? Like, that- total yards, as far as total yards in a game, the top five performances, this player has all five. Yeah, because I'm guessing I'm guessing that includes like all purpose yards too. Yes. <sighs> I'm I'm gonna go with Geno Smith though. My heart's saying Tavon, but I'm going Geno. I think it's Geno. Geno Smith is correct. Three was, points yeah. awarded to Bradley. So I knew he had like a 600 yard game against Baylor, so that automatically means 
He's, yeah, he was putting up video game numbers there for a while, man. Very much yeah. so. That Up until Texas Tech, straight. he was winning the house, but I don't care what anybody says. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. Yeah, there wasn't a doubt in my mind. So crazy how much football season can change in the final half there because the first half was completely different. Yep. But I digress. Steven, you need one. You need it bad. Bradley's with eight points. So here we go. Let's see if we can do Give it for you. Good. I broke the WVU record for receiving yards in a single season. When I racked up 1,622 yards, who am I? A. Tavon Austin. B. Chris Henry. C. Stedman Bailey. D. Kevin White. Dang. Because of the Bolitnikoff, Rob, I'm going to say Stedman. Stedman Bailey is correct. Three points for Stedman. Nice. nice. So nice. in my heart, I feel like Kevin White had a great season that year. So yeah, I, think yeah, I was really, I, I was on the fence. I think fourteen hundred though, maybe. I can't remember exactly. Okay. Though, Sounds about right. I could be wrong. Right. I could be wrong, but I think it was. Yeah, he was dominant. Kevin White was next level. All right, Bradley. Yes, he was. We're back to you now. Let's put her to bed. The WVU football record for most tackles in a career is four hundred and ninety-two. Who owns this record? A. Steve Dunlap. B. Knute Curtis. C. Grant Wiley. D. James Davis. All right, give me the options again. Steve Dunlap. Knute Curtis. Grant Wiley. James Davis. I'm going to go A. Steve Dunlap. Steve Dunlap. Incorrect. <clears throat> Steven. Chance to steal and tie the game up. B. Knute Curtis. C. Grant Wiley. D. James Davis, WVU's leader in career tackles with 492. I know Canute Curtis is the all-time leader in sacks, so for that reason, I don't think it was Canute. Um, James Davis. I don't think I'm going to say Grant. I'm going to go Grant Wiley. Grant Wiley. That's a great pick because that's correct. <laughs> hey, the game is tied up, gentlemen. Yeah. Don't oh, call it a wow. comeback. <laughs> wow, this years. is a complete complete coin flip from the last time we played Mountaineer Multiple Choice. And <laughs> it was a skunk for a while. This one's fun. I'm enjoying this. I like yeah, this one nice. back and forth. We'll run a we'll run a We done started up now. Uh, You're in trouble. <laughs> Steven, it's your question. So um, we'll see how it goes. Maybe one more round after this one. We might call it after this one. We'll see how it's looking. But Steven, chance to take the lead after coming from behind. Don't call it a comeback. He's been here for years. I have the most receiving yards in a single season by a WVU running back with 565 yards. Who am I? A, Steve Slayton. B, Andrew Bowie. C, Noel Devine. D, Jim Braxton. Ooh, man. How many yards? 565 yards. Most by a in running a back season. ever in a single season. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get caught for this, but I, I swear, I'm, I think that it was Andrew Bowie. Andrew Bowie. Incorrect. Perhaps That's what I would have gone with. I would have said Andrew Bowie. Deal. All right. It I'm seems, say, I mean. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who the last guy is, unfortunately. Um, I don't remember Steve Slayton being much of a receiving running back. So I'm going to have to go with Noel Devine. Noel Devine. Also incorrect. Wow. Actually, Jim Braxton. Wow. Just different enough, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was at Andrew Bowie, too. Andrew Bowie would have been my pick. Yeah, just because he, bad, you know, that's, a, that's what I think I mean, of. He was in the area. Andrew Bowie's. He was, you know, that, yeah, that little swing out pass was always to Andrew. Yeah, he's an underrated running back in WVU history. Absolutely. All right, Bradley. Uh, special teams question here. I hold the record for the longest punt ever at WVU with a 90-yard bomb. Who am I? A. Todd Sauerburn. B. Pat McAfee. C. Phil Brady. D. Mark Fazolari. All right, say them again. A. Todd Sauerburn. B. Pat McAfee. C. Phil Brady. Or D. Mark Fazolari. I think it's A. Todd Sauerburn. A, Todd Sauerbrunn is correct for three yep, points that's there. what I would have said. Nice, nice. Really great career in the NFL, too, after he played at WVU. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
final round here. The winner will be declared this round. Steven, back to you. I own the record for most rushing yards in a single season at WVU with 1,744 rushing yards. Who am I? A. Steve Slayton. B. Avon Coburn. C. Pat White. D. Noel Devine. Avon Coburn. Avon Coburn. Incorrect. Really? Bradley. Chance to steal and seal up the victory. All right, read it to me again. <laughs> the record for most rushing yards in a single season at WVU with 1,744 rushing yards. A. Steve Slayton. C. Pat White. D. Noel Devine. I'm going to have to go A. Steve Slayton. Well, Bradley, you've just won now in your multiple choice. <laughs> hey. Well, I mean, technically, Steven went first, so I should get another question. And if I miss it, Steven's got a chance to steal and tie it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll do it. We'll do it. That is that is right. You we'll play by the rules. I can, I can do that. <laughs> as much as I'd love to take the win, but <laughs> I feel bad. I've been beating up on Steven, so I got to get better chance. Rules. Yeah, man, this really this, this doesn't uh, this doesn't look good, man. On my Mountaineer fan Steven, resume, you're, just, you're over you're overthinking it, man. Who agrees to this? You give me. You give me who like who's the best running back in Mountaineer football history? Amos Zeraway, Avon Coburn, Steve Slayton, <laughs> or Era Rep Rogers. I'm like, what? Uh, uh, maybe all of the above? Nope, incorrect. Who is who has tied okay. their shoelaces the most in Mountaineer history? <laughs> Bradley. Final yeah. question: The WVU football record for most sacks in a career. Is 34.5. Who owns this record? A. Julian Miller. B. Canute Curtis. C. Bruce Irvin. D. Gary Stills. All right. I'm just going to take Canute Curtis. Just, I don't think that's right, but I'm going to take Canute Curtis. Well, you better have more confidence because that's exactly yeah. right, sir. <laughs> and there yeah, it yeah. is. There you have it. Another, Maybe it was another in wonderful single season. round of Mountaineer Multiple. It was Julian choice. Miller. And Bradley. Yet again, you have an opportunity for a victory speech. So I want to thank my astute knowledge of Mountaineer history that apparently Stephen just lacks. Um, I can't help it that I'm just better than he is, man. He tried to make a comeback. He tried to make it close. But at the end, I just pulled away. I was just too much for him. So uh, I take home another dub. And there you have it. The trash talk continues. Stephen, what do you have to say? I really think that uh, once we get down to the meat of it, uh, you know, we played the best game that we could. Uh, you know, we came in with a good a good scheme. Um, I'm proud of our guys. Um, you know, I think that once we get in there and we can look at the tape, um, you know, I really want to know what is determined as a good question and a bad question uh, because, you know, coming – I still don't know. I know less about what's a good question and a bad question now than before we started the game. So – just a little, no, just a little Neil Brown humor there. <laughs> I joke. That was funny. <laughs> a little Neil Brown humor. You gotta love it, you know, and I appreciate it. But you gotta love the fire, the fire. But hey, Mountaineer multiple choice always fun, and I'm just glad, glad I'm the guy that gets asked the questions and doesn't ask to actually do the trivia. So it's, hey, it's you fun know, that way for me. You know what? Maybe, maybe in a few weeks we'll do a little, uh, we'll do a little role reversal. Maybe, uh, maybe Brad can, uh, you know, ask the questions. Maybe he can come up with, you know, some yeah, I'll come up with some state trivia. Or, yeah, here's or, what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. I'll come on. I'll come on CRW Hoop Show as a guest one time, and we can do like a three man one, and you can ask the questions. Hey, and, they, and they, they'll be basketball. They can be basketball questions, so I, I have a less chance of knowing them. Oh, buddy, you can. You better get ready because I'm going to stump you. Oh God! <laughs> like, what color was the rafters in 1943? <laughs> Well, and not in oh, this well, section, wait, but in this section. Just wait till I get the. Just wait till I throw the state trivia in here and stuff. It then it's really just going to be. A I guess felt better about that so. than I do the football trivia. Honestly, I was going to say we might have more of a chance to answer those. Hopefully, uh, you guys uh, enjoyed that as much as we enjoy playing it. That being said, gentlemen, any final thoughts here before we get ready to close out? Season 5, Episode 132 of the CRW Podcast as the Mountaineers get set to take on the Kansas Jayhawks in the home opener and the conference opener in a Gold Rush night game at Mountaineer Field. 
any final thoughts before we head out of here, gentlemen? Yeah, let's get in, handle business, and get out. Absolutely agree. I think that uh, West Virginia, like I said, has a chance to have a statement game this weekend, and we can do just that under the lights. Um, also, if anybody you know wants to come say hi, we're in Section 204. Yep. Eight rows we'll up right there. So come say hi during the game. Say what's up. Let's Catch me in the post-game, post-game uh, live show on Voice of College Football. Ooh, yeah, yeah, we'll be on there right after the game. So We will Definitely. be there. We'll be joining on our phones. It might be a little bit different uh, audio-wise and video quality wise but uh i mean we will all three be there yep we'll be there and uh it's gonna be a good time so definitely look out for that uh great call out bradley we will be hosting Absolutely. the post game show immediately following the kansas game on the west virginia mountaineers voice of college football channel hopefully tune in live there with us but if you can't the playback will be available and then of course the uh flip it into the podcast version that will be available on the wvu sports now website and on our podcast platforms, of course, under Country Roads webcast, and any updates on stuff like that. And, of course, a Q&A stream that we'll try and do later this week as well. You can find that on our social media. If you're watching on the video version, you see it there on the screen. But if you're listening on the audio version, it's at WVU Country Roads on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, just Country Roads webcast. And you can find updates on the content that we have coming down the way. That being said, if you're watching on the video side, whether it be on the Country Roads webcast channel or the WV Sports Now channel, hit the like button, give us the thumbs up. That'll help this video's performance and help future videos' performances. Hit the subscribe button on both those channels if you haven't already. Helps get more of this Mountaineer football content out to Mountaineer Nation. That being said, we'll be back to recap it all following the game. Be on the lookout for that. That will be Season 5, Episode 133 of the CRW Podcast. And in between that, we will have a live stream prior to the game. So, like I said, tune in the social medias for an update on where Matt will be, and you guys can get in some Q&A with us as we love to interact with the Country Roads webcast community and continue to try and grow that. But that's a wrap here on the Kansas Preview and Predictions Edition, Season 5, Episode 132 of the CRW Pod here. We've had a great time. Hope you all have as well that tuned in, whether it be watching or listening. And that being said, for Bradley and Steven, I'm Jordan Cruz, and until next time, let's go Mountaineers. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...